Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study. Tonight we are continuing our study in the book of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter 26 as we were last week. Uh, tonight we get to see our sometime hero, uh, Peter, uh, deny Jesus. We also get to see how the religious leaders can stir up the masses uh, and through a bogus trial. It's, it's interesting. We're getting, like I say, we're getting closer and closer to where um, Jesus is uh, paying the price for our sins on the cross. So this is going into that right now. With that, let's begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We need you, and we desire to be closer to you. We thank you for this word that you, has given, you have given us. We pray, Lord, that you open our hearts and minds to your word, that what we do here this evening is pleasing in your sight. And as always, keep me from getting in the way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> once again, we are in Matthew chapter 26, beginning at the 69th verse, where it says, now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. A little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept. Bitterly. Then more, when morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the peoples plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away to, and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them in the treasure because they are the pieces, the, the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers. Therefore, the field has been called to, has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver from the value of him who was priced, whom they uh, of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. 
Now the Lord Jesus, now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him saying, are you king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, it is how you say. And while he was being accursed by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Pardon me, accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear the many things they testify against you? But he answered him, not one word. So the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, of, at the, feast the governor was accompanied as accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time they had a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. Therefore, when they gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? And they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and our children. Yeah. Again, we're seeing here how the religious leaders can stir up the multitudes into a, as it put, tumult. Okay. Verse 69 says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. A servant girl. How about that? A servant girl is out there accusing him, not, not a soldier, not a member of the Sanhedrin, not of any of the Roman uh, dignitaries, but a servant girl is accusing him of being with Jesus of Galilee. Now, Galilee is a province that is um, a province, pardon me, a province that is to the north of Judea, okay, north of where they are in Jerusalem. But he, Peter, denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you were saying. Denial number one. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl, it cracks me up because it's always using a chick to accuse him. And he here is, is chickening out. And he saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this is not a contradiction because Nazareth is a town in the province of Galilee. Now, you may recall back when we started this um, study that when um, Nathaniel, one of the original 12, 
were call, was called to be uh, one of the original disciples, he mentioned something about Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like, can anything good come out of Mentone, as Pastor Ed would say? Can anything good come out of these places? Now, that's in First John, in John verse chapter one, that they talked about that. Now, but again, he, Peter, denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Denial number two. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Okay. Barclay puts it this way, the Galileans spoke with a burr. So ugly was their accent that no Galilean was allowed to pronounce the benediction at a synagogue service. Wow, it's kind of like, kind of like my friend Ben who talks about being from Alabama, which he is, and you know he ain't from around these parts. So you can certainly tell they knew that Peter, again, was from Galilee because of his because of his speech betraying him. Verse 74, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Denial three. Now, we see how Peter's denials escalated throughout his accusing or being accused, right? And, <coughs> pardon me, and all because he was afraid that what would happen to that it was happening to Jesus at the time could happen to him. Big, strong, tough guy, ready to go do anything, die for Jesus is checking it out. Immediately a rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and whipped Wept, wept bitterly. Now, here he is recognizing and repenting of his sin. It's, it's kind of one of those deals where somebody can come up to you and say, you know, this is what you did. And if you're honest with yourself, you can say, oh my, I did do that, didn't I? And that is what you call Repentance, because you're turning away from it. Now, we move on. The verse 1 of chapter 27 says, When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. Okay, and this is after the bogus trial from the Sanhedrin the night before. This is the following morning, right? Now, they plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had him bound, they led him away to be, to, and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Now, Carson puts it this way. Pilate was in fact appointed prefect or procurator by Tiberius Caesar in AD 26. Prefects Govern small, troubled areas, and in judicial matters, they possess powers like those of the far more powerful proconsuls and imperial legates. In short, they had they held the power of life 
and death. This is why the chief priests and the elders are delivering Jesus. They are unable to put Jesus to death, yet the Romans could, and that's why they're bringing Jesus to Pilate. Now, history also shows us that Pilate was a pretty cruel guy, and um, I'm sure that the religious leaders figured that they would have no, that he, Pilate, would have no problem with putting Jesus to death. Now, changing things up a little bit, it goes on to say, then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he, Jesus, had been condemned, was remorseful. Now, not to the point of repentance. It says he was remorseful. It said he didn't come up and repent, okay, and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elder, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Okay? Again, repentance is not just admitting guilt. Repentance is turning away from that sin. Now, it's kind of like somebody saying, well, I didn't know. I'm sorry, but I didn't know. It's not my fault. I didn't know. It's like, here, here's Judas. Well, I didn't know this was going to turn out this way, you know. So it can't be my fault. And this is great. This is what the um, chief priests and elders said. Oh, what is that to us? See to it yourself. What is that to us? They couldn't care less that Judas is beginning to feel guilty about it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Now, here's the deal. He felt accursed by the law, right? He felt accursed by the law with no hope of salvation. See, that's the deal. When you are, when you are under the thumb of the law and you do not recognize Jesus as the Savior and you have no grace that's been extended to you through Jesus Christ, this is what you do. Not a good deal. Verse 6, But the chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, it's kind of like, okay, we'll continue on with business here. Said, well, uh, it, it's not lawful for them to put them, the pieces of silver, into the treasury because they are the price of blood. Now, check it out. They don't want to defile themselves with blood money, but guess what? They were the guys who paid the blood money in the first place. <laughs> you know, what a crazy deal. Oh, yeah, we can't have blood money around, but they're the ones that are doing it. Okay. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Now, this is a field where potters were digging up clay for making their pots. So that's what the whole potter's field was. It wasn't named after Mr. Potter, the guy in It's a Wonderful Life. It was where the potters were digging up all this clay. Lots of holes, easy to fill up with burying strangers, you know, foreigners, as they would say, too. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Now, verse 9. 
Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him, capital H, meaning Jesus, who was priced, whom they, the children of Israel, priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Again, this is another example of the over 300 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. Wow, isn't that something? Again, the, the, uh, it's, the odds are astronomical for only two prophecies being fulfilled, let alone over 300. Now, verse 11. Now, Jesus stood before the governor. Okay, now we're back in front of Pilate. Okay, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, interestingly enough, to the Romans, these Jews were second-class citizens. So it was kind of like, huh, king of the Jews, huh? Whoopee type of deal. Well, okay. Jesus' reply is plain and simple where he said, it is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Uh, and see what here's the deal is along with these they were trying to manipulate the idea that Pilate started off on about Jesus being the king of the Jews. Okay? So that would mean that he would be the guy leading an insurrection against Caesar, who was the king, the emperor, the guy. And so that would give Pilate reason to have Jesus crucified, okay? Because somebody who was a threat to the authority of Caesar. Then Pilate said to him, Jesus, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word. So the governor marveled greatly. Now you would think that somebody who is in front of someone who has the authority to put you to death, and you are there being accused of something which is a uh, offense punishable by death, you think they'd be talking everything they could, trying to get themselves out of it, even if they did it, right? We see this all the time, all the time. Well, quite honestly, just saw that thing about that that uh, um, the Dutch guy that finally admitted that he killed that little gal down in Aruba. But for all this time, he was a liar, liar, pants on fire. You would think that that's, and that's what was really showing uh, Pilate was that Jesus wasn't coming up with any kind of excuse, any kind of defense. He just was there. Now, verse 15 goes on to say another part of all this, says, now that the feast, now at the feast, which is Passover. Remember, everybody's here for Passover because good Jews go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. What was Jesus and his disciples doing the evening before? Celebrating the Passover. Okay, so during the Passover, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. Okay, there's a lot of guys getting in trouble, a lot of Jewish guys getting in trouble, especially the insurrectionists. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. He was an insurrectionist. He was a murderer. 
and a terrorist. And I, I want to say uh, they were called knife men because that's what they carried a knife and they would take out various uh, people of authority, Roman people of authority, because they were, remember, remember that the Jewish people were looking for the Messiah to be a leader, a king that was going to come in and take care of business and take care of all the Romans and all the oppression by force or whatever so that they could have their rightful place. Okay. Now, verse 17, it goes on to say, Therefore, when they gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, i thinking here at this point, Pilate is trying to kind of figure out a way to get out of this. You would think any reasonable person would think somebody who has not committed murder would be more apt to be released than somebody who has. And so I really think God used this position, pardon me, of, of Pilate bringing out Barabbas. You know, this, this is the, the, the dregs. This is the, 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 this guy deserved to be crucified, right? Now, Jesus did not. Now, verse 18, it says, for he knew that they, for he, see, um, Pilate knew that they, the religious leaders, had handed him over because of envy. What is this envy? Well, here's the deal. Jesus is healing the sick, raising the dead, telling of the kingdom of God, and um, coming to the sinners, you know, the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, all these different people, coming to them, and whereas these religious leaders wouldn't have anything to do with them, and they had to, you had to do such and such and such and such to even come close to entering the kingdom of God. And here's Jesus offering it as a free gift. Hey, so they had, they're envious because he had quite, quite the multitude following him. Verse 19, while he, again, Pilate, was sitting in the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with this man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Now, verse three, David Guzik puts it, I mean, note three, David Guzik puts it this way. He saw the strength and dignity of Jesus, and he knew this was no criminal or revolutionary. Again, speaking of Pilate, he, Pilate, knew that it was no just charge that brought Jesus before the judgment seat. It was only envy of the religious leaders. He saw that Jesus was a man so at peace with his God that he didn't need to answer a single accusation. He had already declared Jesus as an innocent man. I find no fault in this man. That comes from Luke 23, verse 4, and Luke's account of this same situation. Okay, so here he is in the judgment seat doing that, and now his wife says, have nothing to do, nothing to do with this guy, because I suffered a lot in these dreams. And guess what? I wrote down, this is just another prime example of someone who should have listened to his wife. All right, but the chief priests 
And the elders persuaded the multitudes, their strength in numbers, right? Strength in numbers, that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Now you can see how you can be wrongfully, or pardon me, easily influenced by people in authority. Wrongfully and easily influenced by people in authority. We see it today. You know, we see it happening in various uh, areas of our government where people are being manipulated and you're thinking, how in the world can you not see this? But they have persuasive arguments and then they bring along the multitudes. Same thing had happened here. Pilate said to them, shall, what, should, what then shall I do with Jesus who's called Christ? And they all answered him, said to him, let him be crucified. In other uh, translation, in the other um, accounts of this, they just kept saying, crucify him, crucify him. Think about it. Our sins are what caused that. Our sins said, crucify him. Think about it. That's us. Now, uh, being crucified is a Roman torture that they did. These guys were sadists. And they just really did an exacting job of doing this. And it was really uh, particularly abhorrent to the Jewish folks. Okay, so this has got to be the worst death would happen for any of the Jewish folks, Jesus being a Jew. And again, it was the worst form of death, the worst form of torture ever inflicted upon someone and Jesus went willingly for us. Okay. Now, then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? And they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. Okay. This is not any answer to Pilate's question. They're not answering why he should be. They're just saying, do it. It's just showing their hatred. Contrast this to just Within the week, Palm Sunday, when Jesus shows up on the full of a donkey, right, comes in and they're spreading out their coats and palm fronds and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed be the name of the Lord. The same people just a few days later are saying, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising. They're going to have an insurrection. They were going to have a riot. He took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of blood of this just person, so you see to it. I like this is a, a, a um, commentary by Charles Spurgeon where it says, Oh, the daring of Pilate, thus in the sight of God to commit murder and disclaim it. There is a strange mingling of cowardness and courage about many men. They're afraid of men, but they're not afraid of the eternal God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Isn't that something? Here's Pilate is afraid of these people. 
And that's why he's doing what he's doing. Well, I'm going to wash my hands of it. It's not, you, know, you guys go do whatever you want to do instead of saying, sticking his ground by saying, I see nothing wrong. This is an innocent man. But this is God's plan. You know, there's, there's the whole thing. This is God's plan for Jesus to go to the cross and pay the price for our sins. Verse 25, which is short. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and our children. Here's Pilate saying, I don't want the blood of this innocent man on me. And they're saying, His blood be on us and all our children. Now here's a neat and interesting comment. This is one of the passages wrongly used as a justification by wicked and misguided Christians who persecuted or allowed persecution of the Jews. They did not understand that even if this did put these people and their descendants under a curse, it was never the duty of the church to bring this curse to bear on the Jews. If you go back into history, Martin Luther's had something really stupid, printed up something really stupid about Jews out of frustration because he felt that if they would have the scriptures in the language that they can understand, that they had all recognized Jesus as Messiah. This is an explanation. It's not an excuse. I'm kind of sounding like Judas, aren't I? Okay. But here's the deal that he said that they should all be gathered together and exterminated. Well, guess what? The Nazis used that in 1930s Germany to justify their actions for the Holocaust. That's one of the things that they did. Interestingly enough, too, going on kind of down the rabbit hole, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor, was the one who stood up for the Jews saying this is wrong and ultimately was hung on the last day of World War II and by the Nazis, and they used piano wire to hang him. So you can just imagine what kind of death that was. But this is the deal. You know, this is not reason to persecute or kill Jews. Indeed, as God promised Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, which comes out of Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Those Christians who were wicked and foolish enough to curse the Jews have indeed been accursed by God in one way or another. Just think about that. And this is, this is really fairly timing, timely with what's going on over in the Middle East right now. If you ever look at the, at a map, I was just looking at the other day of all the Arab nations around the Middle East, including Africa, Northern Africa, and all this. If you look at all the size of all that, and you see the little speck of Israel, and yet those people, the Arabs that are doing this, Hamas, again, which uh, means violence, uh, they don't recognize the Jewish people's right to live. Sad, sad situation. This all goes back all those many years. Again, like I, I probably shared with you last week, it all goes back to, to uh, when, when uh, Abraham and Sarah thought they'd help God out. 
and brought the beginnings of the Arab nations. Really something. Don't try to help God out. He's good on his lonesome. Depend upon him to help you. So questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks? I have been getting some questions and have been doing my best to reply to them. Uh, there is one thing that I have during this week has received a couple of prayer requests. Uh, one for a friend of ours, uh, Terry James, a hot rodder guy. If you know Terry, you know he's got a really, really neat orange fastback Chevy. It's got a nail head Buick in it, and it's beautiful. Well, Terry's having some heart issues and having trouble keeping his oxygen levels up. Uh, so he needs our prayers. We need some guidance. He needs the doctors, and the doctors need guidance. And also for another friend of uh, the Hot Rod Study, Dennis Battles, who actually was the one who called me about Terry, he's recovering from a knee replacement. So just that his recovery would go smoothly. So, And also, again, we're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Please join me in that prayer. Heavenly Father, we do recognize the that you call upon us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is what we're doing, Lord. We pray for your chosen people. Lord, that you would uh, keep them safe, that you would have all of those who count themselves of allies of Israel, including the United States, making proper dis uh, decisions and, and, and helping protect the state of Israel. And Lord, again, we, we lift up our friend Terry. Just, Lord, I pray a miracle. I pray your, your healing touch upon Terry, uh, that he also recognize that it's you that's doing this. Just please, Lord, place healing touch on him and also give Dennis the, uh, recovery he needs. Help him be able to up, be up and terrorizing the world again. And Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.